What is up, guys? This is Pinzo back with another episode of the Nerd Hub podcast. Today, unfortunately, I am not joined by Safi. I had to settle for my good pal Exlon, who is going to be joining me for today's episode. Settle? That's how I. That's how I'm introduced. Is settle? Yes. Okay. I. I'm not going to lie to the audience first thing on the episode and say that you were my first choice. No, lie, lie, 100% say I graced you with my presence. That's not, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. He's not here, okay? Listen, 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 that, that wasn't the point. All right, that wasn't. You're gonna, that... have, a, you're gonna have a hard time getting guests on this podcast if you say, oh yeah, and then there's this dipshit that I picked off the side of the street. Hey, hey, like... I, that's, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> Settle down, take a chill pill, one chill, one pill of chill. <laughs> All right. The Nerd Hub podcast. We don't need that much hostility in the first minute and a half of our podcast. All right. We got this. I know I know I'm settling, but I need you to settle down. All right. Okay, let's get this started. All right. So this week we've got some we've got some stuff to talk about this week. We've got some good stuff coming up. Um Starting with, Exxon, you are, you know, uh, without giving away your exact date of birth and where exactly you were born, you're, you're like 20-something, right? Yep. So you, you kind of grew up in, in what many might consider the, the golden age of, of cartoons. 100%. See, I would consider it that as well. I, I'm very fond of 2000s cartoons. See, 90s kids that, like, like I feel like they hype up their cartoons so much, but honestly... They're kind of mid. You, like, they're okay. Like, if I were to do a tier list, and part of this is nostalgia, but, like, if you go, like, go, like, pound for pound, best 90s versus best 2000s cartoons, 2000s takes the cake every time. You That's just what I'm saying. You so many more absolute bangers... That in way higher 2000s. highs, hundred yeah. percent. And like, don't get me wrong, like '90s cartoons, like there there were some good '90s cartoons. There's some like, okay stuff in there, but like, come on, man! Like you can't like there. We'll get into this a little bit, but well, so so speaking of up. speaking of good and bad, what's if you had to name like two or three things that separates the the good the good '90s slash '2000s cartoons? from the bad ones you know like what's that what's what's separating those i think the biggest thing for me separating those is not playing to the the kid part of the audience as much like yeah i know we're watching cartoons but like i feel like the big extravagant like really kooky cartoons never really clicked with me i know like the biggest one that was on at some point in the early 2010 early to mid 2010s was like uncle grandpa and yeah that show like that show just took that weird zany random many steps too far yes about ten thousand yeah too far see it was trying to be spongebob and that's not at all what they got exactly and those kind of like cartoons were, they just never clicked with me and like those like and even spongebob i wouldn't put in I, i'm not gonna say my top five it might make five but it doesn't make my top three 
and, and yeah, it's just okay. that type of comedy, like that that type of cartoon that has never really quick clicked with me. See, I think nowadays watching SpongeBob, I'm I'm much less entertained by it. But when I was like ten, SpongeBob was peak. I mean, that was some good stuff. And I think, again, I think that's that's what you're saying with the separation between these sort of super kiddie shows and then like this, the kids shows, but that also, you know, maybe have some rewatch value when you're 16 or whatever, you know, once you can understand what's going on. I think there's something to be said for, for shows of both of those natures. So on the flip side of that, what makes the, the good ones? What makes the like the truly elite of the elite? Um, I think it's a couple of things for me personally, especially now. So as a kid, it didn't matter as much because, you know, as a kid, it was basically comedy, right? You can't really have a serious kid show. That's just not really how the the kids show meta is, right? That's not going to keep kids entertained, right? Nowadays, for me, it's about, you know, it's it's what kind of continuous storyline can you get? how what's the least episodic you can make a kids tv show and still have it make sense per episode and obviously the the big example there is avatar right that's sort of oh for sure the the big of after season one you know season one sort of has this overarching plot that kind of gets tossed to the wayside until about the last three episodes um season two and three have a very overarching plot you know everything after the li- the library is incredibly linked together for the last season and a half of avatar and I-, I think that that sort of sets a standard where you can actually watch it as a real tv show if you watch any kind of you know if you watch gray's anatomy as weird and episodic as each little medical mystery is it has overarching plot lines through the whole thing and i think that that's something that makes cartoons rewatchable especially and i think nowadays rewatchable is a big is a big deal i would tend to agree with that because so one of my favorites um when i was younger and i haven't rewatched it entirely but kind of to that point is code name kids next door k and yes yes that it had a storyline of like we're gonna go fight this bad guy we're gonna go stop this villain but literally like to the end of the series like it starts to get like in yeah like, uh, of why of like oh these kids are growing up it's coming to an end they're becoming the teenagers and then this the one K-N-D kid gets recruited thing. right doesn't number one get recruited um i can't remember exactly how okay it i'm ends. pretty sure that's spoilers for the final episode yeah is it's that like number he, one he leaves gets, yeah, is like he, he, but there's a very coherent story. There and is like common themes. The characters actually that... have a little bit of depth. Oh, for sure, for sure. Like, I mean, it's obviously you know it's as much as you can put into 20 minute episodes at a time, you know. But there's some there is you know what characters would kind of do what. Like number one, you know, is obviously kind of the first guy in all the time, you know that kind of thing. Um, like they have. I don't know, semi-characters. I'm not going to call them fleshed out by any means, but they they have, like, four bullet points written per character that they stick to pretty solidly through the show. Yeah, like, which is fine, but, like, 
just through like throughout the the series like i'm like this is cool this is really fun and especially as like a kid here it's like oh i'm a i'm a spy like i'm exactly I'm really cool like like but it also had that just co- coherent story going through with um what was the dad's name i don't and, remember like i yeah uh, it was so it was father something i think because there was like the, there was the uh delightful kids from down the lane that were a common villain that came up yeah and then the teenagers and i can't remember the the dad's name so here's here's my thing with codename kids next door i uh was fairly confident so i've only seen i'm gonna i'm gonna be honest i've only seen maybe like eight episodes of them of it all the way through i've seen a lot of clips and stuff like that as well but there was an episode that and someone can can at me on twitter if this is completely wrong because it might have been a fever dream i think there was an episode or maybe it was a movie or something where the beds came alive and they like the kids would go to sleep and the beds would wrap them up and then the beds like grew legs and like walked all the kids into like a a toy story 3 furnace and the 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 kids next door had to had to save everyone all the kids from being from being kidnapped by their beds that is nightmare fuel i do not know if it exists i have never tried to look it up i don't know if it's real but I, uh, even if it's not real, I uh, did not sleep in my bed for like weeks after coming up with this or seeing this or however that happened. Terrifying. It was terrifying. Amazing. It was. Oh I was scared. God. I was scared. Oh, that's so good. It I was. Love that. Yeah. It was. It's like the was, Jaws moment. Yes, it, it's like the first time you watch Jaws. How long it t- took to get back in the water? That's yes. so great. That's that's how this was. And I again, I don't know if it exists. I may I may have made that episode up. There, I did not watch a lot night, of that so show. I'm that show's kind of before up. my time, so I don't I don't know if it's real. It's also another. Uh, speaking of other good shows, one of my one of my personal favorites is Teen Titans the the original run that's in my top three that's in my top it's in my top three so i saw this show once when i was like six i saw the actual actually i came to find out that it was the first episode of the show it wasn't when it the like the pilot when it was airing but it was the first episode also gave me nightmares for like weeks i was terrified (laughs) it's like they're just like fighting a sludge monster but i could i just couldn't i i don't even know what it was six-year-old me couldn't handle it so I didn't actually watch all... I watched all of Teen Titans, like, my freshman year of high school. They played two episodes every morning between, like, 6 and 7 a.m. And I would... I got up and watched it before I had to get on the bus every single morning for, like, three months while they played the entire series. Okay, it's interesting that you say that because I don't know when the show aired exactly, but I did the exact same thing with Total Drama Island. Yeah, because same era, same era. O'clock, yeah, at seven o'clock every day, um, there they would air the the night before episode, and it was yeah. on like a Thursday or a Friday of like the night before a new episode, and I would always miss it because I had like a sports thing going on or like had to eat dinner or whatever. Like I never got to watch it when it aired when it was live, but all. But it was live and all my friends were into it. And so I would wake up early and watch the new episode. And that's how I watched Total Drama Island 
And exactly. When you and especially like, yeah. Toto Drama Island, you had to know who got voted off before you went to school, or it was gonna get exactly. spoiled. Exactly. Yeah. Like I like there was one time where a kid I went to school with, we were talking about it, and he literally like cried when we spoiled who got voted off. By yeah, him. I don't blame him. <laughs> I'd cry we, too. We thought, we thought we knew. We all thought we knew. And this kid was like, I don't know why you guys would say that. Like. You knew I didn't watch it. And we're like, we didn't know. He's like, I would cry no. too. It's like, I didn't get to watch it. And it was like, I'm like, definitely in hindsight, yeah. I I, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Wish I would have asked. Wish I would have said, like, hey, like, spoilers incoming. That kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, who saw the episode last night? Yeah. Yeah, that's but, that was another one. I don't think Total Drama Island makes my top three, but uh, probably close. Um, speaking of top three, do you, if you, if you had to, this is not like a test, uh, it doesn't have to be your, your complete top three, but off the top of your head, like mid 2000s cartoons, I'm not, no, uh, segregation here. This is Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network, Disney, you know, everything. Do you, like top three, maybe four, if you need an honorable mention. Okay, I gotta go. Number one, one hundred percent, is the Last Airbender series. Okay, that one hundred percent takes the cake every single time, twice on Tuesdays. Then we get it's a little rough. I'm gonna throw out my honorable mention to Total Drama because okay, okay. it was it, it doesn't exactly fit in, for two reasons. It doesn't exactly fit into the era that we're talking about. It's pretty close. It's like the end of it, the, it, it's, it's the end of that timeline. Yeah. And also, it's rewatchability. I rewatched yeah. it like the first season recently, and it's like it's kind of like watching reality TV, like a second time. <laughs> yeah, a second time. It's like, well, I already know. You already know it's gonna happen. I know. Yeah, all of that like big, like who gets the marshmallow? You're like, oh, I know exactly who gets the like. Yeah, it it takes out a lot of the sort of suspense and fun of living it with the characters. I know what you're talking yeah. about yeah um then i'm probably gonna go to have to go with number two like i mentioned before uh codename kids next door okay i i really i just really enjoyed that show like every single time that show was on i had to jump to it i just had to like it was yeah i it was every single episode that i watched even if it was like halfway through i just felt like it was a banger and i want to go back and rewatch it to see if it does have some rewatch value but number three uh-oh. Ben 10. Ben 10. Now, I'm assuming you're talking about the original run, unless you're talking not about, this, like, Ultimate Alien. Not this new hipster shit. Ben obviously ben. not. No, obviously like, not Ben 10, uh, whatever the new one is, that, no, that came, started talking, in 2015. I am talking 100% original Ben 10, watching that from the Vilgax arc. To, yeah. I think that's his name, right? Vilgax, yeah, he's the he's the main villain. Yeah. yeah. Watching that show all the way through um to when he first loses the Omnitrix. That show yeah. I felt like was so like it was not a whole lot of character development in like the grand No, not things. really. Um but written out characters and just as a kid, it was so like at recess, you always played Ben 10 at You recess. played, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it was which which Ben 10 alien's the coolest, yeah. Yeah, it, like, it was, like, just, like, going back, like, I'm smiling so much right now just thinking about this stuff. Like, it's, like, it's so cool to go back and think about this, but 
those well, sh- like that show was oh so i agree good. i i'm with you on that one um but i do have to ask have you seen ben 10 ultimate alien which one is that because there was the one that they had with like teenage ben that's that was- the ultimate alien i wait ultimate alien might be the third one because there's three series there's ben 10 when he's a kid there's one when he's like 15 and then there's another one when he's like 18 and i don't know which one's ultimate alien i obviously haven't seen them i just know that they exist (laughs) i've seen i've seen uh a fair amount of the original series i've seen the one where he's like 15 or so when they introduce kevin and he's not like a monster anymore when he's not like actually messed up omniverse is the other one okay that's the 15 one that's when he's 15 okay so yeah i've seen a decent amount of omniverse wasn't nearly as good and maybe it was just the fact that i was getting older yeah but that that i think like solidly okay does not crack anywhere i I don't think it cracks the top 10 no i agree i I think the original series is is a good thing to put at at number three i can respect that Okay, what about you? What is your top three? So for me, so I uh, caveat here is that if Teen Titans had gotten a fifth fifth, uh, season and they had finished the Judas contract, I think that'd be number one. That's that's my that's my small caveat here. I think yes, Ender. Yes, I uh, I think that if they had fully finished the Judas contract, then. Teen Titans would have been better than Last Airbender. Because they didn't, I have to put Avatar at number one. I think it's really hard to argue against that. Uh, but then Teen Titans is number two for me, 100%. Okay. Number three, I think I think for me it's got to be SpongeBob. Uh, I was a big okay. SpongeBob kid growing up. I think that that's got to that's kind of got to be my number three. Super wacky comedy, obviously, but as a as a ten year old top tier um my honorable mention is it's gonna go to the fairly odd parents actually that was another great show because it was just just another another good show show. i mean obviously super episodic uh not a lot of stuff made sense but it was just that wacky comedy that was funny like that that was i I think one of the 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 wackier zanier comedies that i really liked yeah i don't know why well i think i can tell you why actually um because there's there's a lot of psychology with with what kids shows make it and a lot of that is how identifiable like the main characters are and uh, sorry by identifiable i mean like how much you can identify with the main characters and i think every single kid at some point in their childhood was at a point where they were like, I wish I had fairly godparents right now so that I could wish for something like this, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, adult, I wish I had that. Well, like, exactly. I wish or I had like 20 bucks to pay for gas. Well, ex- there's that. But as a kid, I think that that's a big part of, you know, why a show kind of gets more more runtime is it's, it's I don't know, it's kind of, it's fantasy fulfillment. Yeah. It's fantasy fulfillment. In, in a way, you know? And I think that that's a big reason that shows like The Fairly Odd Parents or even Codename Kids Next Door that why those are so, uh, I don't know, easy to watch. They're fun to watch. Makes you feel like you're the main character. Or that you could be. Not that you are necessarily, but you could be. 
I could be a spy. Yeah, looking back at my top three, I'm kind of thinking like the main <laughs> characters and like my favorite characters. I'm like, damn, that shit hits like a lot. Yeah. Like, like, no, I, like, I, I mean, even looked a little bit like Ben 10. Exactly. Like, it's one of those things that's like, if if no one ever says that, you're kind of like, you don't realize it. But it makes sense. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of top threes that, that could be controversial, our next thing is also possibly quite contra- controversial. I'm so excited for this. Um, Exlon, you you did you told me today that we were going to give some uh, nerd hot takes. Yes. And this is just one. I'm just gonna give. I just have one cooked up. This is things that are going to, I don't know, make people mad. Something, something, something. Is that about right? Yeah, pretty much. Like it, it, it's not necessarily it's gonna make any, anybody mad or like. Or... Oh, mine, mine will. Or mine also probably will, <laughs> <laughs> but like, but it's something that's very outside of the norm. Like, like it's yeah. pretty standard. Like, Last Airbender is one of the greatest. Yeah, apparently, my first hot time. take was like, that Teen Titans would be better than Avatar if it had a fifth season. I haven't seen Teen Titans all the way through. Yeah, and to be it's... totally honest, Teen Titans it's definitely in the top five. It's probably four. I, I haven't seen enough of it. I for, think like, it, to... I've seen it all the way through twice, and I, I think it would be better if it had a fifth season. But outside of that, Exxon, give me give me. I don't know how much you need to elaborate about this, uh, but give me give me a hot take. Okay, here's my hot take. Lay it Are on you me. Ready? I'm ready. Outside of movies four through six in the Star Wars franchise, Star Wars largely sucks as movies and you have to do so much effort to get to the cool stuff that it kills the entire series okay so i'm just going to uh before we talk about that i'll give you my hot take because my hot take is that star wars episode 7 is the best star wars movie that's ever been made shut up that's my hot take no. 100%. Force Awakens is the best Star Wars movie that's ever been created. What? Yes. No, I'm not okay, joking. It's fourth best for sure because you have the original trilogy. The original. Listen, one. dude. Listen, listen, listen. The original trilogy sucks. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's. No. Dude, okay. What? Listen, you can't even. Re- Return of the Jedi, nothing happens. It's like a two-hour and 40-minute movie, and nothing happens. And then Empire Strikes Back is actually pretty good. Okay, I I, I will say that, but it's not... It's just all those movies, to me, are boring. That's really what it comes down to for me, is that they're just boring. Episode 4, I don't even remember what happens in Episode 4. Outside of the beginning scene when they rescue Leia or whatever, that's the only thing I remember from Episode 4. How do you know oh, how do you not know what happens in episode four because episode seven is a remake of episode four no see i i understand they that that's an argument against star. episode seven it's like oh they just use the same plot lines but like the movie they is did. considerably better made that's it was okay it was back gonna... when i could walk out of the theater at episode seven and i thought that 
Finn was going to be a Force user. I thought Finn was going to be an ex-Stormtrooper turned Jedi. I thought Rey was going to be a badass Han Solo. I thought that Kylo Ren was actually going to be a semi-intimidating villain. I thought that whatever the other Poe was going to be some other badass that was going to do cool shit. And they had a really cool little rolly droid that was obviously made just to sell toys, but it was really cute and cool. Okay, like there was good stuff in episode seven. I'm not going to deny the fact that, like, I think episode seven lies somewhere between four through six. Is, so uh, let, let me get this four, straight. Four, you, think, you think that four, five, and six are the top three Star Wars movies? Yes. Okay. Granted, I do think Star Wars as a franchise is entirely overrated, and I'm not a fantastic Star Wars, or like a super invested Star Wars fan. Okay. because of my hot take previously because like there's some really cool stuff i think count dooku's backstory and who he is as a character is so cool and there's like four lines of dialogue about it yeah in the entire, like, i mean if, if so that's for, what you yeah. want you know read the comics yeah but like so for those who don't know count dooku was an ex-jedi turned to the dark side um like learned the ways of the jedi did that whole thing then turned against it and it was a really really cool well-made backstory but they have like four lines of dialogue and half of it is like bad horrible the worst dialogue you've ever heard yeah because george lucas decided to like snort coke before writing any of it was just yeah i i will say that i think that the the three prequels are worse than the entire original trilogy i will say that the the entire relig- original trilogy does rank above all three prequels okay where do you have eight then episode eight i think episode eight listen listen here's the thing second hot take incoming i don't like where this is going episode eight is like not the worst episode of star wars no! all right it's not it's a, it is no! far it is far from the best it is far from the best but it is not the worst episode of Star Wars. If you re-watching it, I went to the midnight release of episode eight, Return of the, or uh, what is it? Return of the Jedi, The Last Jedi, The Last Jedi, yeah. Um, went to the midnight release. Walking out of the theater, it was possibly the worst movie I'd ever seen. All right. Uh, however, upon rewatch, I did actually go and rewatch it. Um, not in theaters, but I've, I've seen it since. It's, if you take it, uh at sort of what it is it's not that bad it's pretty ass what it is within is the trilogy of shit. that's what it is listen no it's as a movie <laughs> it's not it's better than the clone wars all right it's better the animated clone wars no no movie? episode two the what is it oh, attack okay, of the clones okay. or whatever yeah that movie sucks this movie is one step above that movie and Rise of Skywalker is one step above that. Yeah, the only thing that keeps Rise of Skywalker and also, I guess, Episode 1 um, in contention for me is because, like, Rise of Skywalker just had some great moments in it. Like, the moment where, like, Rey uses lightning for the first time... Was um, sick. The, was so sick the just cinematography of Palpatine like wiping out the entire fleet with lightning yeah. was really cool um for me everything until about Duel the last the about the last 30 minutes 
of Rise of Skywalker is horrible. Everything before that, I think, actually has a little bit going for it. And I actually kind of think the opposite with episode one. <laughs> the first, the first hour and 40 minutes of episode one is nonsense. It's, it's incoherent. It doesn't make sense. But the last half an hour with Duel of the Fates, now that's some gourmet shit right there. It almost makes it worth watching. Almost. I'd almost. much rather just go to YouTube and Google Duel of the Fates lightsaber scene and just watch that. Agreed. It's, Agreed. It takes it takes five minutes and it saves my sanity. It saves my time. That's that's what I'm here for. For um, sure. But this entire conversation about like how shit some Star Wars movies are proves my point. No, I Is agree. It- Listen, I love Star Wars. I'm a big Star Wars fan. I think the majority of Star Wars movies suck. That's I I think that anyone who's not a total stan would would tell you that (laughs) i i don't think there's a real way to justify about half of the star wars movies like about half of them i think are actually unjustifiable to be good movies some of them are good some of them just suck the the fact that you don't think that the prequels are like Anyway, so moving on, speaking of Star Wars, Star Wars has this thing in it that some would consider a magic system. And speaking of magic systems, uh, Exelon, a lot of things have magic systems in them, don't they? We've actually talked about quite a few. We talked about, uh, we've talked about Avatar. We talked about Star Wars. We talked about Ben 10. We talked about uh, Teen Titans. You know, those are all things that that have magic systems in them, right? Um, what's give me give me uh like what's what's your take on magic systems? Like, what what kind of magic systems do you like? Don't like, etc. So I really like a lot of the magic systems where they're not nearly as like where if you okay, I guess this all boils down essentially to world building. Yes, where. If you are going to have a world that you've built that has magic in it and magic exists, um, define your rule and define yes. them very, very, like, like draw the line in the sand because there are definite moments where the envelope gets pushed a little bit. I have this gripe with Harry Potter as their magic system is that wizards exist and it is magic. Yes. Well, and I there think are moments that... throughout the book that aren't explained yeah. and don't make sense. And like the gold, so the biggest things is the golden flames in book seven, and the graveyard uh, chapter in book five, where basically shit gets pulled out of the author's ass. Well, and it does yes, sense, never happens. It's like this has never happened before ever and it's kind of explained but not really and not until 10 years after exactly the book has been published is like oh yeah this is what happened by the way after everybody yeah said what the hell just happened and i think i think a big uh reason for this clearly defining the rules of your magic system make it make sense however it's however you want it to work obviously it's your brainchild you know it can work however you want it to but if you right. define it clearly then you can break the rules when the time comes and you can do it in a way that you can justify making sense you know it uh 
the the sort of part of this is Avatar. Um, in the in the Ang Ang energy bends, which is not in the in the initial rules of Avatar. That's not a thing, and it's sort of shoehorned in at the end by a giant lion turtle. But the point being that the Avatar, with all four elements, has you know some magic sort of thing over bending and can bend the energy within a human right it sort of makes sense it's a little shoehorned at the end of the series but it's it's a way to break your own rules and make it make sense um and i think that that's a big reason that you do need to define your rules clearly is so that when you break them you can justify it however you want to do it you can justify it that's one of the reasons why i actually really like the lord of the Rings series is because in large part, like, there is not an insane amount of magic. It's a very low on. magic setting. There are, like, yeah. seven magical people in that entire, in the entire series. And I don't know if this was, like, I guess it's just Tolkien's writing style, but, like, it's not overbearing at all. Well, it's they're used, the like... A lot of the magic in, if you look through the entirety of Lord of the Rings, a lot of the magic is used for th- things like deus ex machinas. It's just ways to, you you make it very difficult and so that only a couple of people can do it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it's it feels less cheap when you, when you just ex machina something out of a situation, like the Balrog on the bridge, all right? Yeah. If, if Gandalf wasn't there, you know, does the Balrog chase him down and kill him? You know, maybe something like that happens. But because he's there, he's able to protect them in a way that, you know, sort of, like, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. He drops it into a pit, um, and then, and then you know, solos it or whatever happens down there. But it doesn't feel that cheap because you know how powerful this guy is. Because he's exactly. rare. He, no one else yeah. exists like Gandalf. Exactly. You know from the start, Gandalf is a rarity. He's a- very powerful. But then it's written into, I think, and again, Tolkien wrote the rules very well, that Gandalf can't just pick up the ring and take it himself, even though he's so powerful. The ring's, you know, corrupting abilities are multiplied on Gandalf or or whatever, so that he can't just finish this adventure in one and two and be done. You know, he does need these lesser beings, essentially, to to help him out. It's just a a very well-written magic system. And I think that low magic has its place. Um, what do you? What about like high magic systems? This would be like Marvel would be. I would consider a high magic system. I so it's interesting that you brought brought up Marvel because these high magic systems. I feel like Marvel's getting to the point where like they jumped the shark a little bit, or they set the bar so high with things like Endgame and introducing yeah. multiverses to the point where it's getting ridiculous. Like canonically in the MCU, there it's getting to the point where like the villains are very few and far between of who can beat Thanos, who can, like in this multi-dimensional like well absolutely and, yeah. crazy things where like have you seen thor and love and thunder yet i have not so they literally at the start of the movie make fun of how strong some of the characters <laughs> are getting like they poke fun at it about how puny the guardians of the galaxy are which you see in the trailer so that's not a spoiler. yeah i knew they were in there like like and like they yeah like, and like captain marvel scarlet witch doctor strange are so 
literally reality breaking. Yes, reality breaking characters. And then you have Bucky Barnes and the Falcon that are fixing a boat together in their own little What else are they gonna do? Exactly. You're like, (laughs) oh yeah, like yeah, and like there's a pretty solid reason in hindsight why they killed the Black Widow. Yeah. Is Yeah. What the hell is she gonna do with a Glock versus the multi-dimensional beings that exist? Well, and so like, I think it's that it's so big. I think it's the so MCU big. in particular has some other issues with not just its magic system. Obviously, its magic system stuff like the multiverse is not helping, but their power scaling is just not good. Um, it's like, and it's obviously something that they've struggled with for a long time. I don't know if you've seen Multiverse of Madness. Uh, haven't yet you have not the power scaling is beyond uncomprehensible in that movie like that movie should have been over in about 20 minutes based on what the threat was and it's not because they have to wonky wonk the power scaling to make an actual feature length movie out of it instead of doing i don't know doing something creative i you know i'm not coming up with a solution off the top of my head but they could have done something creative to make it so that the main character can't just win you know because he should by all means, he should he should win within the first thirty minutes of the movie. The movie should be over. Um, and it, I think that that's uh, sort of a different problem. I think that the MCU magic system has its own problems, where everyone is like everyone has powers. You see this in other shows as well. You see it a lot in I don't know if you've watched the CW's The Flash. Very very similar problem where when The Flash started one person on team flash had powers and that's barry allen the flash everyone else has other roles you know like there's the doctor chick there's the tech guy there's the mentor there's the iris and stuff like that but no one else has superpowers well by season four every single person on team flash has superpowers and it's just something where you take this in the flash at least it was this very low magic system very few people had powers it was to the point where it was it was speed and it was monster of, it was very monster of the week through season one it was barry would find one other super powered person each week and kick their ass and that was it but it was very low magic and now it's very high magic but it's set in the same world and it doesn't make sense which is a lot of the reason that the flash now sucks compared to the flash in like season one is the world the world's not following its own own rules we talked about setting up rules the the original rules of of the flash universe was that this having being a meta human this magic was rare and now it's not i think that's something that a lot of people run into yeah marvel did the same thing marvel's done the same thing many 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 times yeah in 2009 or whenever iron man came out they're like oh yes somebody's building a super suit and this is peak technology. And now we're breaking realities and dimensions yeah. and fighting aliens on a consistent basis. Well, like, and then you have things like, you know, Tony Stark perfecting time travel in roughly one hour. Like yeah, like making time travel hours. possible. He just does it after dinner. Yeah. He's like, okay, here's lunch. Then dinner happens. Then you'd like, just, his, like his like checklist for the day is like, keep child alive have lunch with the other avengers fix time travel wash dishes (laughs) solve time travel the end i mean it's just 
I, the MCU and the D, and even the DCU, you know, they just get squirrely with their with their magic systems. I think even something like Percy Jackson has a pretty rigid power magic system to it, where like yeah, they find some magic items now and then, but other than that, very few of the kids have like real abilities, as far as like innate magic. Like in the second series, it, they get some more, but in the in the original Percy Jackson series. Like, it's a pretty low magic system. Obviously, I mean, it feels weird to say that because it's the Greek god. The children of the gods. But like, it's a pretty yeah. low magic system. It It's a lot yeah. more akin to D&D than it is to MCU. Yeah, and I, I would definitely tend to agree with that, especially going into, like, the second series. I feel like their magic system scales very well, too. It did. Like, well, and the other thing that you sort of have to think of in the second Percy Jackson series because once you get all the seven prophecy kids on the on the boat right a lot of them have special abilities but these are also like the seven chosen people or whatever you know like it, you, you kind of have the prophecy out where they are legitimately like the basically the most powerful demigods that there are and so they kind of have a reason to all have these abilities so it's it's a little ham-fisted but there is a reason for them to be special yeah um like and and it's very much spelled out like i recently reread that series like within the past year i've read them um, all in the last year yeah so i i recently reread them and uh rick riordan very much lets know the author like so like percy and jason are the two most powerful yes and like world ending that. abilities potentially yes and he acknowledges this at like at a few times in the book well the like, characters wow. acknowledge it a couple times yeah well like or i'm gonna say he as in like the characters uh, yeah like the person writing the characters yeah but like the characters acknowledge like damn like he's real strong he's yeah. got some like very very they're like, like that guy could do some damage to the world if he wanted like to cities yeah. he could do damage yeah and i i do think that it's important that he kind of brings that up to the characters because it also the other thing it does is when you have heroic characters with world ending abilities they tend to not use them all you know it's like superman could he punch a hole through every single villain he ever comes across yes does he no he has a conscience or whatever his his reason for holding back is but the idea is that he has this capability even though he doesn't use it which yeah. I think is also my, one important. Of, yeah, one of my favorite quotes in one of the, I think it's the DC cartoon. It's a kind of come to Jesus moment when he's fighting. Um, Superman is fighting uh, some big bad okay. that just wipes through the entire Justice League, Justice League. the rest of the Justice and, League. <laughs> yeah, the rest of the Justice League, and the and Superman just says he's, he's like it's moments like this that remind me how powerful i really am exactly kicking this shit out of this guy of like oh it's time for me to like really let loose a little bit like really like no holds bar like go at it and it's so rare that it doesn't but you know it's there exactly you know that like that, that that kind of stuff is there and that kind of magic system within that at least arc of the of dc made a lot of sense it makes and it sense was really really interesting and cool because like yes we all know superman is probably 
the he's OP. most powerful character ever written in Yeah, to, I mean, he's blatantly comics. OP, which is kind of the point. Yes. Yeah, that is the point, that he is a god trying to live amongst men. And I think that the other thing that things like that do where you get to see superman use his full power on this and stuff is it i mean it just shows the upper limits of what's possible in these magic systems you have people like the flash and green lantern who you know generally speaking don't have a lot of trouble combating these villains you know they're very powerful within their magic system and then some dude comes in and kicks their ass and you're like whoa that guy is powerful in this magic system you know it sort of sets that upper boundary which I think is also important in a magic system. You see it a lot in like, I don't know, even in Percy Jackson. Whenever the gods do shit, you're like, oh shit, <laughs> that guy's gonna kill him. Like he could he could destroy things right now because of how powerful mm-hmm. they are. Um, right. And I think it's important to set those boundaries as well. Um, speaking of magic systems, other things have magic systems. Uh, yes. Most notably, the thing that I play most most often that has magic systems is Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I DM yeah, no, 10 out of 10 transitions today. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm on top of it. it. I'm on top of it. Um, love it. So I am, I am the DM for my D&D group. And my world, it's, it's all homebrewed. My world is, I would say it's, it's pretty, realistically, it's fairly low fantasy, but like mid magic. It's not like low magic, but it's, it's like medium magic. Um, and something that people run into with D&D campaigns, especially running things like high magic campaigns is things like player death Um, and the reason that this is such a problem is because of spells like Revivify Resurrection and True Resurrection so uh, Exelon, you've played quite a bit of D&D yes do you at any of your D&D groups at any time, whether you're DMing or playing, have you banned Revivify Resurrection into Resurrection? So I have never specifically told any players whether or not they could use this spell. I've never, like, said, no, this doesn't exist in this universe, whatever. Mostly because, um, well because of like the rule zero of like of my world building of like okay this stuff can exist theoretically in a vacuum from a story perspective will this make sense exactly like for like because i've had like i think probably my i i'm gonna say favorite character death that i've had was and i know this is gonna sound so messed up was literally at the end of the session it was like the battle to end the session one of the characters died and all of my players were like literally in tears because this (laughs) character died but the thing is though it fits so well in the story that this character would die at this moment and i didn't engineer this i didn't force it but they died and my character my all my players cried and i was like on the inside like so happy just yeah. so unbelievably happy that this happened, and I'm and I actually thought about it like after, um, like like when I was driving home, I was like, you know, what if they did had just revivified like that? that guy thirty seconds after yeah. he died? Yeah, like what if this happened? Yeah, and my general reaction to it is no. Like at least in in this context of this of this world where it was, um, like magics exist uh, like the big bad was this uh, like this arch fae that started a plague 
Um, okay. And was like was taking over uh, was taking over towns and was was going to try and conquer the land. Um, but like that was the pinnacle of magic, and it wasn't bringing everyone else has to be below him. Essentially, yes. if he's the pinnacle, everyone else has to be less powerful than this guy. Exactly. And that's the and, hard part. And that was kind of where I was at of like, I and like, and I've done campaigns before where I'm like, yes, 100% you can do that because we're battling against like demigods and these like insanely powerful demons, like these really, really high level campaigns. And it depends on the scaling of the campaign as well. Exactly. Exactly. Because like I've definitely done campaigns before that are like start from level one, we're going to end at level 10, go from there, you're fairly strong. But I don't feel as though as a party or as a wizard, as a magic user, that your character would have the ability to cast this spell to perform this ritual to do whatever. exactly and, yeah and then also like kind of wrapping this whole thing around is that from a story perspective at least as a dungeon master i love having a very coherent story yes. a very well-made story and things like that and like when you write out like your general things that you want to have happen i don't want to have three characters that have been revived it's like oh yeah this one character died but then they didn't yeah it, it feels like cheap. stuff like that it, exactly if like from a and from a player's perspective it also feels like, cheap <laughs> it also does feel cheap well and so i actually had this conversation with my players so my players are coming into the end of the campaign we've got a couple more sessions and then a big boss fight and we have a druid in the party and he's almost level 15 meaning he knows resurrection and revivify and my general uh, way to combat this has been to make things like big diamonds really rare so that you can't just go buy Revivify diamonds over and over again. But past that, I had a conversation with my players about does death matter when my druid can Revivify me? Does, does it matter if I run in 1v5 and I slash a bunch of things, I don't kill anyone, I get wiped, does it matter because my druid i know he can walk up to me and bring me back to life it makes it just it doesn't make sense in the world a lot of the time it takes away that weight of like a death of a character exactly in my opinion should mean something i've had npcs die before again made characters cry very emotional yeah that, yeah that i was dming for but there was a goblin that was just a reoccurring npc that they brought along with them into a dungeon and i'm like i like this this is not a good idea i'm like this is not a good idea and they were um there there was this guy his name was crag the butcher and they chose to try and like get the goblin to steal from something from crag the butcher (laughs) and based off of this guy's name alone you might infer something that he might do yeah. to a goblin grunt and they like they're like okay none of us are stealthy enough to steal yeah. this this uh they needed um a a book that would um told the like one of the, like a location that brought them to another I, I won't get into like the whole thing but they needed this book and they're like crag can you do it and i'm like and Craig says, yes, I can't for my friends. And then I told them, (laughs) 
I'm gonna roll this over my DMs. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is a legit thing. Like this is, and I'm like, and I'm like, kind of like telling them as much as I can. This is a horrendous idea. Yeah. Of like, uh, like trying to. You're like, trying to drop like, some like, hints. Like, like I'm like I'm gonna roll this over and like make sure that it's like is everybody on board with this? They're like, yes, this is the best idea. He's small. He's dexterous. He can do it. And. He rolled like a four, or I guess I rolled like a four, and alerted Crag the Butcher, and they, the goblin died, and it was a very emotional character death. But like, if they just could cast for vigor, if they could just bring him back to life, yeah, if they could just reattach his head, then it doesn't mean nearly yes, as it, much. Yes, it means as it means literally nothing. Goes. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's interesting. And you have some, like, a couple of other ways that people fix this is things like checks. You have to make, you know, an ever-increasing DC check to bring someone back from the dead with either Revivify or Resurrection, you know. There are there are ways to combat this. You make it really rare. You make it so that uh, to cast, you change the spell component. This is one that I've seen a lot. You change the spell component of Revivify to not be uh, a 300 gold diamond, but uh, something rarer that they have to go find. Or is it actually only 300 gold. I think it's right? five. Actually, I do think it's 500. And but like resurrection is a thousand gold diamond, I believe, or maybe it's 1500. But you change the spell component to be something rare. They have to go find it, and if they're trying to find it after someone's died, then they have you know seven days to go find this thing and be able to resurrect this person. You know, it's unless you have, a, but unless you've got a priest in your party that can purify the body, or there's like there's ways around yes, it. Yes, there are. And yeah, as as a DM, I feel bad for players in this. Well, and so that's that's scenario. my next question is, if someone dies, and let's say for you're playing with a party that doesn't have a cleric or a druid, or you're in a game where you've banned resurrection and revivify. You know, do you give them a way to resurrect a character, or do you just say, "Sorry, Chief, you died. Roll a new one." You know, what's what's the solution? A lot of this kind of rolls back to like the the, the world building, the magic systems, having your defined rules of the world. Um, most of the time, what I have done is I I will say, make a new character, like just be just because. Yeah. Like it you want him to keep playing. I, I want you to keep playing because I've had really awkward moments before when it's if you, have you ever tried to introduce a new character into a group like halfway through yes. like a, a session or yes. like a, like somebody's like new to your your campaign. Yep. You have to find ways to like actually introduce them and not literally drop them out of the sky. Yeah, it's like, hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's so it's so much more awkward when there are players that are like you're trying to find this like astral diamond that is very very rare because you've set the stakes for bringing somebody back to life so high like you've done that and yeah your players just like sitting there it's like am I gonna be alive at the end of this campaign yeah I am think I that like, the make a new character I think yeah. making a new character is important. If they want to try and get the old one back, you know, that's on them. They can. If they want to, I will help facilitate that. But until then, make a new character. If it's a guest, you know, you can be essentially a guest until you get your new until you get your old character back. Um, one of the so one of the more interesting things, I've never heard anybody else do this, but 
I had a player come to me once in private that was that told me he's like, hey, I don't, I hate my character. I don't like playing this character. They they kind of fucked up their levels and they were a bard and a fighter. They didn't do anything particularly well. Um, they were also like a, a dragonborn and so it was just didn't like the character and he asked me he's like hey can you kill me off yeah and i was like um yeah i guess he's like he's like he's like i he's like i can just like leave or like make a new character he's like but i don't want to like tell the party about it or be like hey like i don't like this character anymore and so it was such a fun little moment of like of me figuring out how to actually kill a character yeah. and railroad it and it was so it was such an interesting thing but the players ended up figuring it out after like about 15 minutes after he yeah had, after he had died that seems like something that's he hard to like, hide it was it was really funny because i was like okay um do you just want to like start making a new character i guess or, or like or like what do you want to do he's like i'll start making like a new character and an npc and i'll like message you in discord and go from there it's like it'll probably be just like a basic thing off of the internet and then out of his bag he pulls out this like fully fleshed out character <laughs> sheet and like and like like with like uh like a magic item that i had given him because of where we were at in the campaign i was like i was like you could have like a yeah. kind of lower level yeah. magical item and stuff like that and he like pulls all this stuff out and everybody was like starting to like look at me and we're like okay listen like yeah that's i mean that's pretty funny it's hard to hide something yeah, it, like that yeah it was really hard to hide of like it was a very intentional death but it was really funny when he was like they're, like when they're like looking at his character sheet and it is like it's like you that wasn't what you were writing before like the, like you wrote down a few things on a character sheet and that's it it was pretty it was pretty comical yeah um all right well we're let's wrap up today with uh i've got i've got we did one of these a couple weeks ago with safi we did a a knowledge test or uh i don't know what exactly what you want to call this basically i'm going to read you a dungeons and dragons fifth edition uh combat scenario it's going to have a bunch of stuff that's wrong in it and you're gonna have to uh, count them up, and you're gonna have to go through it with me, uh, and and uh, tell me what all is incorrect, so that I know you know what you're talking about. I'm so terrified because the way that I DM a lot of games is I am willing to bend the rules so much for like an epic moment or things like that. Yes, yeah, so there is no homebrew in this. Re- yeah, so as far as a strict rules lawyer goes, I'm not. This is just testing your straight up knowledge. So you can scroll so, down. I just pasted this in here. I'll read it um, as well. Okay. But uh, so so here we go. This is the the main enemy here is going to be a pit fiend. So I'm testing your pit fiend okay. knowledge. Um, pretty common enemy. CR twenty. Big 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 bad. Um, okay. All right. So. The enemy pit fiend shouts an abyssal, starts combat by slashing at the fighter with his scythe, before casting sunbeam, hitting the party in a 60-foot radius. The fighter uses his bonus action to attack the pit fiend with his mace, before using his action to drink a potion of invisibility to hide from the pit fiend. The bard then uses his reliable talent to roll a natural 20, critting his fireball against the pit fiend. He then uses his bonus action to cast healing word on the fighter. 
The wizard gets within 50 feet of the pit fiend, then fails his constitution save against the pit fiend's frightening aura, causing him to become frightened for the rest of the turn. The pit fiend then uses one of his legendary actions, biting the wizard and poisoning him. The paladin uses his action to use Lay on Hands, dealing damage against the demon. Finally, the barbarian goes into a frenzied rage, attacking the pit fiend three times with his silvered axe, killing the pit fiend. Okay. What's wrong with it? Let's, let's break this down. Okay. So... I have them all highlighted on a separate page. Okay. So, I'm not sure if this counts or not. Yeah. But any anything nothing have, in yeah. here is is by accident. All right. Okay. So nothing's accidental. Okay. So pit fiends can wield a scythe, I guess. So that's fine. I don't think they can cast sunbeam because that's a holy spell. Correct. They cannot cast believe, sunbeam. Um, I am not sure the radius, but it's it seems like sunbeam has a smaller radius of that i think it's only 30 feet uh close you're you're close sunbeam is a line it is not an aoe okay um bonus in action to there's something wrong with that first statement and i don't know what it is well i guess like you would switch action and bonus action in the uh um he would use his action to attack and then use his bonus action to drink a potion of invisibility technically no so technically you can't do those things in the same turn rules as written you are not potions as bonus actions so yes so rules as written a potion is an action so that part's correct but he cannot attack as a bonus action okay so okay so i got that one wrong um sort of right i'm counting him don't worry are immune to fire also correct there's a lot Uh, more wrong with that particular one than just immunity to fire okay i guess i guess technically um they are immune to fire yeah so they're immune to fire so that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense um reliable doesn't automatically roll a crit correct like it's i don't know the exact ins and outs of it but it's not like i just rolled a nat 20 it is it is you you can take a 10 on on certain rolls yeah okay and yeah it's it's like base 10 die roll or something like that but yes. then you still get all your bonuses stuff. your minimum becomes um, 10 i don't think oh this is if this is nothing in here is is accidental okay okay do bards bards have to know healing word bards do know healing i know they know okay that is the bard spell list okay um because i I thought you were going to do like the healing touch or something like that no 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 they know healing word however you cannot cast healing word you can't cast two leveled spells on the same turn so you can't bonus that's action why, healing that's word. Why, that's, if, why that, that's why that was setting off alarm bells. Yeah, that's you, why. you can't bonus action healing word if you use your main action to cast a spell. Okay, that's why. Because you can use... Um, you can cantrip and then healing word. Yeah, yeah, you can cantrip. That's why. Okay, we're good. Um, wizard gets within 50 feet of the pit fiend and fails a constitution saving throw against the pit fiend. 
frightening aura, causing him to become frightened for the rest of the turn. This is good. This is pit fiend knowledge. This is okay. Th- th- this, this is pit this fiend is a knowledge. Context clue: fifty feet seems like a lot. Fifty is feet is it, it is. It is twenty feet. <laughs> seems like a lot. So I'm gonna say it's like twenty to thirty. Pit fiend's frightening aura is twenty feet. <laughs> okay, and then I also think. It's not a constitution save, it's a charisma save. It is a wisdom save. Oh, okay. But it is not save a constitution save. Okay, yeah. Um, causing him to be frightened for the rest of the turn. I don't think there's anything wrong with that statement. That is correct, that is true. Okay, the pit fiend uses a legendary action, biting the wizard and poisoning him. I don't think pits are poisonous, and also I don't think biting him is a legendary action. Well, so, you're half correct. Pit fiends are poisonous. Their bite attacks do apply poison. However, oh. pit fiends do not have any legendary actions. They are not considered a legendary creature, so they do not get legendary actions. Okay. So ha- I, I, you're half okay right. You're half right. I'm, I'm okay with that. The paladin uses his actions to use a lay on hands, dealing... Okay. Is that just... Lay on hands, dealing damage to the demon? Um, I don't think that's how that works. It is not. At all. It is not. Certain healing spells do deal damage to, uh, undead. The demon is not an undead, nor does Lay on Hands actually do damage to undead. It has no effect on undead. Yeah, I... I was gonna say, I'm like, I don't know what to point out here that's wrong. Yeah. That statement just seems wrong. <laughs> Lay on Hands is not an attacking spell. You can't... That's not... It doesn't work that way. Okay, and then finally the barbarian goes into a frenzied rage, attacking the pit fiend three times with his silvered axe, killing the pit fiend. I know this from it. This is a really specific thing. Aren't pit fiends immune to silver? Pit fiends actually are. Uh, they're they are resistant to uh, non-magical attacks that are not silvered. So they are actually uh, vulnerable to silver. There are other demons there. It's that is not an uncommon thing to be like immune to silver or resi- or vulnerable to it. In this case, they are vulnerable to silvered weapons. So that uh, that's not that's not uh, a mess up. That was kind okay, of to throw the you off. Pit fiend, okay, the pit fiend attacking the pit fiend three times. Hold on, do barbarians get a third attack? ever no barbarians when frenzied rage can attack as a bonus action however going into rage is a bonus action so you can't attack three times on your first turn raged so you next turn the barbarian could attack three times this turn he can he cannot okay i think that's everything unless there's something wrong with the very right. last few words of that killing the pit fiend. no no that that's just the the end of it so you came up with something like 11 um okay. so going i'm just gonna go through and and give you the ones you didn't you didn't shout out um for starters pit fiends are demons they do not speak abyssal they speak infernal i meant to say that oh i actually knew that too <laughs> Um, I'm so mad. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good one. Um, pit fiends do not use scythes; they use maces. Um, let's see, what else is I, in here? I'm gonna give myself that one because I said at the start. You did. You mentioned. Day, no, I, 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 I know. I heard it. I heard it. Mention scythes. Um, 
Next up, uh, drinks a potion of invincibility to hide from the pit fiends. Pit fiends have true sight, so you wouldn't you wouldn't hide from him. I don't know if you really count that one as a missed thing because you know the fighter could think he he's hiding, but uh, so that one's that one's up to the audience. Um, the bard uses reliable talent. Reliable talent is the rogue version of that skill. The bard version oh. of that skill is jack of all trades, and they do slightly different things. That's right. That's um, right. Because jack of all trades also gives like a bonus. It's to, a like, bonus to like basically all rolls ever. But yeah. reliable talent is with skills that you're proficient in. You can roll a minimum of a ten. If you're a less than a ten, it's a ten. Um, which brings me to roll a natural twenty. Not how reliable talent works. Um, critting on fireball. You can't crit on fireball. It's an AOE spell. They have to make a save. Um, using reliable talent to roll a natural 20 on a fireball is also not how it works reliable talent is only for skill checks so that's you know however many you want to count that as <laughs> there, are, there are a couple in there um, one two it's kind of a lot three, depending on how you slice it or I, I'm gonna say there's like four in that because there's reliable talent reliable talent to roll a natural 20 uh, critting on fireball and then reliable talent to roll a 20 to crit on fireball you know it's kind of all it's like yeah. four it's like four um and so technically i called out something that isn't necessarily wrong because the bard could just be a fool and used fireball against the pit fiend that is true it is not effective like, pit fiends are immune to fire yeah so but he could do it yeah you can technically can do that same with same with the invisibility to hide from the pit fiend you can do that it just doesn't work yeah. Um, other than that, you got all the ones in the second half of this. Uh, 50-foot aura, cons check, uh, legendary actions don't exist for pit fiends, lay on hands is not a damaging spell, you know, that kind of stuff. You got all that, which is good. That was a tough one. I, I, I've been kind of working on that one for a whole week, so I, I made it kind of hard. It was good. That one was really good. I, like, I, I'll, have to, I, I, I'll have to do another one of those when Safi comes back and see if and see if he can get something like that um that was good but i actually think that that's the last thing we have for you so thank you guys awesome. for stopping by excellent of course thank you very much for being the first guest on the nerd hub podcast wear that like a badge of honor yeah I, i'll get you a badge i'll make i'll print you one. Oh, thanks um it's been a pleasure having you i i hope to have more guests coming up soon i don't know when or who they will be but hopefully we do have some more on here soon um, but I think that is all that we have for you guys today. So as always, hit like and follow or whatever buttons are on whatever platform you are listening to us on. We post most weeks on Monday. This week it is a Tuesday, but hopefully next week we're back to Mondays for posting these episodes. So check it out then on NerdHub, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Anchor. Everywhere you listen to podcasts, we've got NerdHub available. So without any further ado, thank you to Exelon, of course. Thank you very much for joining me. We will see you guys next week on Nerd Hub. So, as always, uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Leave a follow. Thanks, Exelon. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>